It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Not enough of the masses are watching us right now. And once that happens, it's only going to continue to grow. And I think we're all seeing, you know, where the trajectory of this league is headed. And I think we all know it's only going up from here. Before they get in your business, be in charge in your business. Only because it's your business, your business, business. Handle all in your business, value all in your business. You say your mind in your business, my business. What's up, good people? Welcome into Montgomery and Company. I'm Renee Montgomery. So we got a lot of sports business happening this episode. And when I say sports business, I mean sports and business and how sports business works together. We got Haley Hill, who's a former Atlanta Falcons cheerleader. She also cheered for the San Francisco 49ers. She done messed around, went on Shark Tank and got a deal. And also we have the Atlanta Dream General Manager, Dan Padover coming on. Two-time executive, y'all, so the credit's there, all right? He's going to come on and talk sports and business. Me and my baby Serena are pulling up to the Hawks game. We're going to be sitting courtside in the Michelob Ultra seats. Shouts to the Hawks. You know it's forever 404. Let's go! So sports business is something that I'm very into, obviously, because I'm in the thick of it. But I like the things that surround sports, the money that surrounds it, the business that makes sports go round. And a lot of the business now is involving media and media rights. I'm going to ask Dan Pat over some questions about that as well, because there's so many things about how sports, when you see a lot of businesses right now that are struggling, even especially tech, you see that the businesses are struggling. But when you look at sports, the trajectory of sports is just, it just constantly goes up. Like as you see sports and as you see sports business, like for instance, I'm going to do a little then and now when it comes to the NBA and NFL media rights. So the NBA media rights then and now. All right. So starting out the media NBA media right TV rights 38 years ago was $55 million for the NBA media rights 38 years ago, the NFL annual TV media rights, 38 years ago was $414 million. So even 38 years ago, you can see that the NFL had a way larger footprint when it comes to media and TV rights. Now let's fast forward to today in present day, 2024, the NBA annual TV rights is 2.6 billion with a B dollars. And then the NFL annual TV rights is 13.3 billion with a B annual media rights. And so what does that mean in a world where a lot of companies are struggling and listen, and this is not to say that every sports media is doing well, or every sports company that covers sports is doing well. It's not to say that it's to say that sports as an entity is doing well. The NFL is doing well. The NBA is doing well. How do you know that? Because you look at the player salaries, so when you look at the player salaries and you see that now players in the NBA can make over 200 million in a max contract, that's a direct result of the TV and media rights. People have to understand that there's a real direct connection there. So when you talk about the WNBA and you talk about the player salaries, we need to be also talking about the TV media rights that go along with it. And then when you think about just media and digital, it's not to say that all things are going great because in digital media, honestly, print media and digital media are struggling. And when I say struggling, I mean really struggling where when you look at companies like Complex, Vice, Pitchfork, they're all selling or gone and, and losing traction, losing momentum. I remember when Complex, you know, was a booming business and now BuzzFeed is reporting that BuzzFeed is selling Complex and it has a bunch of angles, you know, like this 109 million sell price. And it's a fraction of the 294 million sell price that happened in 2021. Now, the side note is BuzzFeed is like, listen, we want to still keep hot ones. And if y'all don't know, hot ones is where they eat the wings and it's five wings and it's like five questions and there's celebs on there. And it's hilarious. So they still want to pick and choose 
which things they want to keep. Hot Ones is one of those. But as far as media, I mean, these are big sales, Complex, Vice, Pitchfork. So these are all digital media and even just the concept of podcasts. I'm sure that you started to see now that there's a lot of companies where you see 10% of their companies being laid off, 16% of their companies being laid off. You see people that don't even see it coming getting laid off. Even when it comes to um, FUBU, FUBO TV. Well, FUBO TV stock has fallen over 24% since ESPN, Fox, and WBD announced plans for a combined sports streaming service. You know, FUBO, FUBO also is putting a lawsuit out there because they feel like there's a reason they Fubo's antitrust lawsuit against the trio says that they stole their core business idea. But look at that, you know, like look at these conglomerates. So now Fubo TV, while they still may focus and cover in on sports, it may not be doing well when you see now these other trios combining. So I'm not saying that all sports media is doing well. I'm saying that sports is booming and it looks like everybody's trying to figure out how to maximize around sports and, and around that media to make money and profit off of it. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you will, but it just means that I'm talking about the companies of the organizations is booming. And the reason I'm saying that is because the WNBA, as we talk about the WNBA and as we talk about the growth of the WNBA, that's why we say it's so important to, to get viewership. If you hear people say, oh, viewership matters, this is why it matters. If nobody's watching the games, then you're not going to get a large annual media rights deal. What company wants to pay if people aren't watching? So if you're like, oh, yeah, I support, but you don't really watch, you don't understand that that's how player salaries go up. So if you're somebody like that's like, oh man, look at this arena, it's empty. When you write that, that lets us know that that's not necessarily the way that players earn larger salaries. It would be great that the arenas are full, but that's not necessarily the direct connect to player salary and player and the income that players are going to receive from the sports teams. The direct results are from those media rights deals. So when you hear players talk about, or when you hear people and all these tweets going around about media rights and what is that that is what it is i'm trying to break it down one by one for you to see that when the nba had a large jump in their media rights and they had media deals that they had new deals that they made then you saw a large jump in the player salaries the max deal now is this even the nfl right now they just made an announcement that they're raising their max next year i think by like 30 percent, something unheard of the NFL is now raising the max salary for their NFL players. Why? Because business is booming, baby, over there in the NFL. They're selling more contracts. Everybody might have been online mad that Peacock had an exclusive game. But what did that do for Peacock? Peacock had the largest new signups subscriber day in their history when people had to watch that NFL game. Think about that. Even Amazon, like they had their largest days when they connected to a sports entity. So that's why all these media companies, they're paying big bucks, hundreds of millions of dollars to have exclusivity rights to one of those playoff games. Because why? Sports is booming. And when you can connect in the right way to sports, your business can be booming. That starts to be the theme. So I'm just trying to break down when y'all see all this. I know because I know a lot of people, I'll be on them Twitter streets and people were very upset. And you're going to have to continue to be upset because it was a success. The companies that paid large amount of money Amazon for their Black Friday game, Peacock for their exclusive playoff game. Those companies won. The experiment was a success. So you better bet your bottom dollar that you're going to see more of that and more happening because that's the whole thing that all these companies are trying to do, even podcasts. I mean, look at Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey. You know, all the kinds of different players have their own podcasts. And what are they doing? They're telling their stories from the games. You see NBA players, WNBA players. They're talking about sports. They're talking about the games. They're talking about what we already know people really, really care about. Sports. Sports. So all the podcasts now, look at all the different podcast shows that don't have nothing to even do with sports. They want to bring sports into it. You know, like even look at Charles Barkley. Now we're used to him typically covering sports, but CNN understands the value of somebody that covers sports and the following of that. So they brought him to a political platform. It's not to say that Charles Barkley doesn't know anything about politics. Of course he does. He's been living in America. So he's at least participated in it and known a certain amount. It's not saying that at all, but it's just saying that 
Look at the places that you now see sports figures. Look at the platforms that you see talking about sports that probably don't even usually do that. The reason is because sports, baby, business is booming and everybody's trying to figure out how to engage with that audience, how to get connected. And so whenever you see people talking about WNBA and their salaries, turn on a game. That's the way to get it. Turn on a game, retweet, click like online right now. There's all kinds of conversations happening and we love to see it because the more the conversations happen, the more the footprint, the more media is going to cover it because media follows trends and sports is always trending up. And speaking of trending up, I want to give some quick shout outs because there's some players out here doing big things. I'm starting with the Asia Fair because the Asia just moved into the fifth place in the all-time scoring list in D1. She passed Brittany Griner and she now has 3,302 points. 3,302 points. You better do it, girl. And then... I mean, there's a lot going on in women's sports. So I want to shout out Kiana Christmas because she had, I didn't even know this was a thing. She had a quintuple double. What is that you may ask? Well, I'm about to read her stat line and you will know. She scored 11 points, had 20 rebounds, 11 assists, 10 steals, and 10 blocks. She had five categories in double figures, a quintuple double, Unreal. And moving on with Unreal, so I'm going to paint a picture with you guys real quick. So imagine that administration asks you to attend a press conference for a woman that you may or may not have heard of. You've already been swamped with life like everyone else, but you decide to attend anyway. You're texting, you're scrolling on social media as they introduce the speaker, Dr. Ruth Gottesman. All right. And so I'm just like, all right, what is it? What is it? Then you hear her say, your tuition is now paid for. And if you've already paid for this semester, you'll be reimbursed. And moving forward, there will be no tuition. <laughs> Excuse me? Yeah, you would be shocked. And that's exactly what happened when a Bronx medical school, the Albert Einstein College of Medicine, got a $1 billion donation from Dr. Ruth Gottesman. I mean, she literally, the only things that she said had to happen was that the university keeps its name, which is very interesting because usually people name it after themselves. She said the university keeps its name and that moving forward, tuition is free because she wants more doctors out in the world. Now, just to put into perspective, most students at the Einstein's College of Medicine graduate with 200000 in debt. They will now be debt free. This is unheard of. Usually you hear billionaires invest in businesses like you do on Shark Tank. But this is unheard of and unreal. So I wanted to give her a shout out, too. And speaking of Shark Tank, we have somebody that's coming on that was on the Shark Tank show. And I like to give you guys little nuggets. And on that Shark Tank show, there was a company that had the scrub daddy. It was these little things that you clean with. That was the highest one of the highest earnings on the show. A scrub daddy. Just keep that in mind as you're thinking about big businesses and big brands. The little scrub daddy did damage. So coming up next, we have Haley Hill, who's an athlete turned entrepreneur that went on Shark Tank and landed a deal. Spoiler alert. Coming up next. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, 
so Haley, first of all, shouts to Ben and I'm hyped for the Falcons for connecting us because we got a lot of synergy. So thank you for coming on and chopping it up with me on Montgomery and company. Of course. Thank you so much for having me, Renee. Honestly, the Falcons are, I know I cheered for the Niners and the Falcons, but the Falcons, <laughs> they be riding like seriously. <laughs> Let's go. So Haley McLean Hill, you're like, listen, you're a Penn State grad. You served in the Air Force. You've been a cheerleader in the NFL for both the Atlanta Falcons and San Francisco 49ers, as you mentioned. So before we even get into the company that you founded, Torch Warrior, I'm just curious, like a lot of people, you know, like a lot of people don't know how to switch gears and switch jobs. And you're literally the epitome of my clothing brand, C-Suite 21, because you're an athlete turned Air Force veteran turned entrepreneur. So how hard was it to find the right time to switch careers? You know, it's so funny because looking back at my life, I feel like maybe it's God, call it whatever you want. But I think I've had these moments where I'm just like, hmm, this just isn't bringing me the joy or it's not it's not doing it for me the way that it used to be doing it for me. So I think when people, you know, fall into this trap of, Oh, I hate what I do. And then stay five more years until they're like, I really hate what I do. I kind of catch the whiff of it. And I'm like, okay, this is slowly getting a little boring or it's not giving me the same, same good vibes. I'm going to start looking into shifting. And so I just gradually transition away into something that piques my interest. So whether that was when I went to school I went into the Air Force. And then when I was kind of getting out of the collegiate cheer space, I was like, okay, this pro cheer space looks like something that would, you know, push me to the next level. So I kind of started to explore that. And then it was exploring business when I knew I was, the Air Force wasn't doing it for me the way that it used to be doing it for me. So I just slowly transition once I feel the excitement kind of waning away. I mean, that, you say it like it's simple, <laughs> but it's really not easy for a lot of people because they kind of get scared about the what next and the unknown. And so you ended your military career around 2021 and then you went to launch Torch Warrior, which is an active wear brand for women soldiers. Now, how hard is it to leave the service? Because I didn't know you could just like leave and then how did the idea spark for Torch Warrior? <laughs> yes. So do you have any military members, Renee, in your family? Um, well, my my son's dad is actually a military member, so um, he's no longer with us, but he what he did serve. I'm so sorry. And um, thank you for his service. And yes, you know? we have plenty of family, too. Like I had uncles and aunts that also serve. So I definitely we have a lot of people that serve. Yes. Well, you know, it's it's a path. You can take two different paths. So I did the ROTC route. So when I went to Penn State, I was a cadet. My commitment was four years after. So once that four-year commitment's up, then your contract says you can either sign for another two or you can decide to get out. So what they have in the military is after your kind of your four-year contract is up, they have certain transition programs. So I went through a transition program called the Boots to Business program. So the SBA puts it on, which is pretty cool. And they bring you through a course where you learn all about entrepreneurship as a veteran, all your resources, everything. So I was like, I think this is my opportunity to take this course and also transition like slowly out. So then I did another program called Skill Bridge, which allows you to get out of the military, stop going into your normal career for the last six months of your contract, and you intern in the civilian world. So I actually interned with Sports Illustrated, and that was cool. They had me building out their cheerleading program because obviously cheerleading is still, you know, becoming a, like everyone's, you know, recognizable, everything. So they had me kind of take my experience as a collegiate and professional athlete to build out um, new competitions that Sports Illustrated would be sponsoring. So that was, again, my mindset of, I'm not going to just drop my full-time job. I'm not going to just drop everything and just go for it. Of course, that's nerve wracking. What you do is find these little pockets where you can still get that check, but also exploring your other options. So that's kind of how I was able to transition into entrepreneurship. No, that's smart. And boots to business. I love that name. And that's, that's smart though, to your point of you didn't just drop it all at once. You eased yourself into it. You used the opportunities presented to you. I love that. Um, and you also appeared or actually this is a side note you said you worked for sports illustrated um and i don't know if you've seen but a lot of the media print and digital there's vice there's pitchfork there's complex you know sports illustrated took some hits like you know what are your thoughts on you know a lot of the media that's digitally disappearing off the face of the earth right now <laughs> you know man i think that it's very similar to these bigger brands right who aren't 
who have to stay relevant. I think at the end of the day with business, you have to always be up with the times. You got to be innovative. And when you're not innovative, people just it, moving on to the next thing. So especially in this world where you got chat GPT, you've got, you know, Twitter, you got everything at your disposal, you have to innovate. So that's kind of something that I've thought about as a new business, as a new brand. How do I stay relevant? How do I stay innovative? And how can I tie in, you know, the history is very cool, but you still have to tap into the future in order for your business to keep moving forward. So I love that. And speaking of staying relevant, Shark Tank has done that. And you appeared on season 15 of one of my favorite shows, Shark Tank, and you landed a deal to help move your brand forward. Now, Lori initially offered, well, I'm just going to get people caught up if they haven't seen your episode. Lori initially offered 150 in exchange for 25% of the business and landed on a deal that was around 150 for 22.5% stake in your company, Torch Warrior. First of all, congratulations. That's amazing because we see a lot of people go into the tank and leave sad and crying. So how was it in there? What was the environment like? I mean, you're an athlete. So how do you compare being in the tank to like being in that athlete universe world? Renee, it is literally the same thing. It is <laughs> it is a competitive environment. You walk in there and it is they're sizing you up from the jump. So you walk in there. I'm like, okay, okay. So I prepared though. Here's the thing. I prepared by hiring a shark tank coach as an athlete i think i've always literally like having that motivation that that external person to come in here and push you to your next level i just started googling again google youtube and i was like who can help me get a deal on shark tank and i came up with this these two guys they used to work for microsoft in the silicon valley they really prep ceos for big high stake opportunities so i hired them and we worked for the last month and we worked every day on crafting my pitch we did um, scenario. So it was literally like practice every single day. I had to come in. I had to have my outfit ready. They're like, you got to come in ready mentally, physically, everything they had. Um, we did zoom sessions where they would put all the sharks up on the zoom screen and then they would pretend like, Oh, I'm Damon. And I just asked you this question and oh, I'm Lori. And I just, y'all did real mock through like trials. Film. We had film. It was like, <laughs> It was legit. And I was like, they got me into my athlete mindset. And so when I walked onto there, of course, I'm doing my breath work. I'm getting ready. But again, I think my mindset as a cheerleader, when I would, whenever I would like run out onto the field to do my dance, you just have to believe in yourself. You just have to go out there and say, this is my, this is my only shot. This is my opportunity to show the world. So when I stood there, you know, I think being military too, the sharks were extremely generous with not being like, too hard on me. <laughs> um, so I don't have to thank them for that, for just being very respectful. And I also think they know as an expert, as someone in the military, none of them have been in the military. So I felt just very prepared because of my experience. So I went in there and just freaking did my best. You did your best and you did your thug thizzle, okay? And you got a deal. So how is it going? Because everybody always says after Shark Tank, after your episode airs, and listen, I'm one of them people. Anytime there's a food one, I'm the worst because they're tasting it. And I'm watching everybody tasting they're like oh wow this is delicious and then i'm like let me go find it i'm on the internet it's that's how it works so did you have that influx come in after the show aired we did girl it was like two thousand percent increase to our website traffic like let me just tell you though let me tell you the east coast be watching shark tank they be watching shark because i was in <laughs> california and as soon as that episode hit the East Coast was like surging. So then three hours later, when the West Coast hit, it didn't surge as much as the East Coast. I think, you know, the West Coast people would be chilling out here or something. I don't really know. But I'm like, the East Coast people were ride or die. So I want to appreciate, shout out to all my East Coast people. They supported and I'm just really grateful for the exposure. And I think also you got to think strategically as an entrepreneur, this is your one shot, but how do you capitalize on that? So my marketing team, we're running retargeting ads. We're able to now, you know, just more exposure with email marketing, text marketing, and stuff like that. So now we have a community and an audience that we can really lean into. I love that. And so how is it working? Because the sharks, they always say, listen, you're paying me for that shark knowledge that I got, my connections that I got. How was that now? You're literally linked up with a billionaire. Like, how was it? And then also, you know, what are her thoughts on your product? Because we haven't heard much about Torch Warrior. Like, so what was, because Lori, she's the girl. She says, I know if it's an it, a hero or a Z, right when I saw it yours was clearly a hero when she saw it so tell me about working with her 
you know, Lori is an angel. Shout out Lori. She is such a busy woman, but whenever you are on the phone with her, it is just like she is zoned in present and so genuine and like wants to see you win. And I think that as a woman and as a female entrepreneur, having another female entrepreneur in your corner and can kind of pull those strings and who's like, I see something in you and I see something in what you're building and I want you to keep moving forward. That's all you need. And I don't need, I don't call her for everything. You got, you know, you got to call her for the big call. Yeah, right? I'm pick like, and choose your moments. Okay. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I'm not going to just be like, Oh, I need this thing. So the cool thing is like, I can, she definitely keeps herself available for when I have those big asks. So I try to be very strategic and I'd be very clear whenever we have our conversations. And I think with the brand and with our product, it's not stopping there. Like this is a clothing brand. Like this is going to encompass not just our bodysuit, which is our hero product, but we're going to expand into boots and every other aspect of the uniform. So military women can come into us and be like, this is our one-stop shop. And I think that's what Lori sees with us. It's a brand. It's not just one product. And you said your bodysuit is your hero. What is the bodysuit and why is it a hero? Because I mean, it's not easy to get a shark to say yes. They're always like, is it proprietary? What's going to take this not to get knocked off? So like you got something that made made her say yes. What is it? You know, here's the thing. For the entire history of since women have joined the military, all of our uniforms have either been unisex or made for men. So I don't know, Renee, do you know your men's size boot? Yeah, I mean, I'm athlete, though, so I'm in a world where all things are typically made for men as well. So I know what you're saying. I know my men's size before I know my women's size in sports because it is what it is, you know? Exactly, exactly. And hey, look, maybe there's a brand out there, someone that's a good business idea that's like, (laughs) dedicated to the female athlete specifically. And I just think that what we're doing in the military is so unique and different because no one's ever done that before. So the bodysuit is the right color, the right cut, it's in regulations and you can wear it in your uniform. And so there's no other product like that specifically for women. And so we're just going to continue expounding upon that. I love that. And so I also read somewhere, you're like literally the epitome of athlete to C-suite, by the way. I can't emphasize this enough because it's like, I always talk about how athletes, you see how you got yourself ready for the Meeting, you were like, look, I'm used to training. I'm used to practice. I'm used to having a coach. And you use those exact same things and you applied it to the business world. We're not in practice, but you was watching film. You, <laughs> not in the, you ain't got a game, but you really did have a game. You know, you had a championship. You literally won because you put yourself in that same mindset. I tell people all the time about me. Like I came from being a player to, you know, owner slash vice president. And it's like, I do exactly what you did. I use the exact same mindset, the exact same training. So I love hearing that it really worked like because right now you're a success story to it. And people kind of sometimes don't even see the connection of like sports and business athlete to C-suite. It's so synonymous. It is so synonymous. You are dead on Renee. Like literally I was just reading a book by, was it Kobe Bryant's um, trainer, the Relentless book? Okay. Relentless. He was talking about, and Mark Cuban just said it too. Business is the most competitive sport. I mean, you have to continuously be thinking, being ahead of your people. It's your competition. It's you battling yourself to grow as a CEO. And so like the only way for you to be successful is to have a more competitive mindset and athlete mindset. I love it. And so I even had a strict game day routine when I was playing. I went to shoot around after shoot around. I loaded up on carbs and pasta. Then I took my nap. You could time my, you could time when I'm getting to the game. Did you have a game day routine? Like what is a typical game day routine for an NFL cheerleader? Ooh, okay. <laughs> Not as structured as that. You got me on that one. You got me, Renee. Um, so for I would say like for a game day, for a typical game day for an NFL cheerleader, you're waking up. If the game's at 12, you've got to be at the stadium by 7 a.m. You're waking up early. You're getting there. I'll probably wake up. You know, I don't hit any workouts or anything before that. I'd probably hit a workout like the night the night before. But then you get there. You have to practice on the field. You have to set everybody up. And then you come back. You're setting up appearances. You're going to talk to fans. And then you have pregame show. So you perform in the pregame show. Then you go immediately to your corners of the stadium. You're cheering at each corner of the stadium every quarter you're shifting and then after that you can rest for halftime and then usually have a got between third and fourth performance and then after the game you have a, a you know a film you talk to your coach everyone's you know how did it go yeah but do y'all get yelled at like do your coach sometimes be like what were y'all doing man like come on now we're better than this like is okay it's not it's not that type of party 
It's not the type of party. It's not. I've never been on a team like that. Maybe there's teams out there, but the Falcons, it's it's very professional because they expect you to come in and do what you need to do. And nobody's really be out there like messing up their dance because everybody knows you got to do what you got to do. So it's a little more like, all right, that was good. Let's work on this next practice. And um, or more smiles. More smiles is usually the biggest thing. Wow. I love that. You know, it made me think about because clearly I'm I'm in the sports world that, you know, we're used to getting yelled at. We're used to this type of crazy environment, but we also have seen that in sports, mental health has been brought to the forefront a lot more now. And I read that. I think that, is it true that the entrepreneurs, when you're on shark tank, you have a psyche valuation right after shark tank for them to make sure. So how is, I think that was very forward thinking. You know what I mean? So how was that? You know, it's so funny, but you know what I realized why they do that is because they don't want somebody so mad that they're about to go find somebody after and try to like stalk them and do some crazy stuff if they didn't get a deal. Like that's how I think it it really is. I'm like, because if it's just that high stake, that high stake situation where you're putting everything you got in it. So if you don't get a deal, I can see a lot of people being distraught, right? Like you're just straight up like, I just can't believe that didn't happen. And the people who are happy, I mean, we're happy. We, we're about to go like, I went out in LA like that. And I was like, this is like my, well, I'm like, this is my Super Bowl. My dad flew out. We were partying together. I was like, this is like a Super Bowl. I feel like, you know, like this is my Super Bowl. But the, for the people who did it, yeah, you got to check in with yourself. But again, that's the mental resilience that every athlete thinks when you do lose a game or when you do, you know, you know, not your best, then you just have to figure out how to get over that. And to, you know, you're just battling yourself instead of getting mad at somebody else. Right. It's not their fault. It's not the ref's fault. It's your fault. And you need to internalize that and, you know, move forward with that. I love that. Well, listen, Haley, congrats on winning the Super Bowl. Okay. Torch warrior, you guys check it out. You also said you're going to be expanding. So I love that because if you have a product that people need, then that's what make more of it. Keep going, keep expanding. We love to see it. And I hope I see you at a dream game. I hope to, you know what I'm saying? If you're ever in the ATL area, pull up on me at a dream game. I got you, Renee. We're definitely going to hang out. I can't wait to cheer you on. I'll be your biggest cheerleader. You Let's, know I will. Go. <laughs> Let's go. Appreciate you joining me on MoCo. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It's crazy. I've been telling you guys that athletes and entrepreneurs, athletes and rappers, athletes in any business, that's why we say athlete to C-suite. Athletes are prepared. You just heard Haley. She prepared herself the exact same way an athlete prepares for a big game. And guess what? She won. I love hearing that because it's my life I'm living right now. Like I'm taking everything I learned in sports from, I'm talking bitty ball, junior high, high school at UConn and in the WNBA. And now I'm applying it in my life, wherever that applies, when I'm in the broadcast booth, whether I'm in an ownership meeting, whether I'm in a a meeting with the staff, it's like, I'm applying all the sports stuff. It's crazy. And I love to hear it in real time. And speaking of all the sports stuff, Coming up next, we have Dan Padover, the GM for the Atlanta Dream. He's going to be coming on. I'm going to talk to Dan about the details, the X's and O's of free agency, because I'm on social media a lot and I see people say a lot of things that they may not know why things happen or they may not know the thought processes behind a general manager on a pro sports team. So we got Dan Padover coming through to talk all about it. Coming up next. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. executive of the year went back to back genius beautiful mind all the things he's the atlanta dream general manager dan padover thank you for joining me here on montgomery and co what's going on how are we doing today listen we're doing good this is hilarious to me because dan you know like gms we're going to get into this because so this conversation is going to be a part of the rmf career day which is my foundation rmf we like to give high school and college student athletes help 
help them make informed decisions about the career choices that they're going to make. And so normally GMs, I'm sure, didn't have to be so in front of the media as much as they do now. So I'm actually going to talk to you, Dan, as we get into this conversation, a little bit of then and now, because um, how many years have you been uh, in the front office now? I've been in the league for uh, this will be my 13th year, kind of this, you know, GM type role, probably the last six or seven and you know kind of had experience from more like you know video room grassroots just trying to work your way up so i've been around it for a while um but more in this role has been a little more recently all right perfect because that's good then that you started from all the different layers because i appreciate you for coming from behind the scenes and talking because i feel like even just even over the most recent years things have started to change like I'm going to start with free agency. When I was a free agent, people weren't flying overseas to meet with me, to talk with me. People weren't flying in athletes. Now, I'm sure that people from other leagues are like, of course they do that on the other leagues. But when it comes to the WNBA, how have you seen free agency and courting free agents change over time? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest change was um, in the last collective bargaining agreement, kind of some of the, you know, nuances to the way things were structured just created a lot more ability for player movement and with player movement creates team movement and i think it gave teams a lot of levers to start to be a little more aggressive in free agency um you know you remember back in the day where you know six players were all making the max and you could get cored five times so no one really could ever leave whereas now i think um, there's just more freedom of movement which makes free agency in our league more of a thing and i think it's been a really beneficial thing for our league from a coverage standpoint i think it's been great for the teams so in many ways you know like we say all the time we're we're a young league and, and we're catching up to a lot of things that um, we've seen some of the you know longer tenured leagues have. No, I couldn't agree more. I love it. Like as an athlete, this is how you would want to be treated. Of course, you want people to court you, and of course, you want people trying hard and and to wine and dine you. And our free agency, we recently had a big one. We got Jordan Canada at the point who won MVP of the WNBL league. Who she did numbers first team. Nas also made second team over there. So shouts to Nas. We had Ariel Powers come in on the wing, and then former my former teammate TT Charles, who will be handling in the paint. And I'm just curious, like, as you're starting to go in the free agency mode, a lot of the fans were curious, like, you know, why a lot of information isn't rolling, like, in the WNBA when it first started. So can you just talk about, like, how the processes work? Because I think people do not realize how young we are as a league. Some of the things that, like, happen in media, it's not necessarily, like, just, can you just talk about, like, how the process is of information flowing in free agency? Yeah, you know, I think one of the... One of the differences is is that people need to understand is when free agency negotiations start, which that there's a date for that, which in our league is January 21st, and when players are actually able to sign, which is February 1st. So I think a lot of times people hear the words free agency starts and they want news right away. But a lot of what that means is players feeling teams out, teams feeling players out. So on that first day of free agency, you're not going to get commitments right away. It's going to take some time for players to make decisions, teams to make decisions. Um, And I think in certain years, there's a lot of players available. And in certain years, there's a little bit amount of players available. And I think depending on the scope of that, it may take longer, which I think this year was a little longer for some dominoes to start to kind of come off the board. And I think that also, um, to your point, we are at a point where teams are still a little protective about their information. So I think who we're signing, what who different teams are signing, isn't going to get out there until it's signed, sealed, delivered. That was kind of the, the delay and cause for some people being like, well, where's the news at? Yeah, and so how does the news happen on the other sides? Like the NBA and NFL – even before the signings, we see Adam Schefter, Woj, who is dropping the news and dropping the bombs all over the timeline. Where's that process come into things? We don't really have that because people have to really understand that that's a full-time job to do that. Like we actually had, um, I, oh, I forget her name, but we had her come on. Rachel, she came on and she almost, she pretty much said she doesn't have time to do her real job and try to break news. So 
Where does that come in in the NBA and NFL side that we don't necessarily have on the WNBA side? I can't say for sure. My guess would be that to Rachel's point, it's a huge amount of investment in her time. And there has to be, you know, media companies really investing in people like Rachel to say, hey, we need you to spend all of your efforts building relationships with GMs, building direct relationships with head coaches to kind of source this information because it takes it takes a long time and a long buildup. And um, I, I think, you know, people like that and people in our league do a phenomenal job. And I think they're they're getting better. Um, we're getting better as a league in, in that regard. But it's just it's a lot of that. It's the long term relationships that, that really come to that. Yeah. And her name was Rachel Galligan. So, OK, so I want to. I kind of skip, jumped the gun because we talked about you being a GM and you started out doing video and everything like that. But what is the role of a GM on a professional sports team? Like what are, is your actual responsibilities? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think most people think, you know, I sit around all day and, you know, watch international players and, and want to build <laughs> a team and this, that, and the other. And that's, that's great. And that's the fun part of the job, right. Is, is finding the basketball players, but it's also serving as the leader of an organization, right? So you've got, you know, a whole basketball operations staff that you've got to look out for. You've got your players, you've got, you know, your relationships and kind of counterparts at the WNBA league office agents at the players association that you work closely with. So it's really kind of, I would say there's, there's two main parts of the job is kind of how I like describe it. There's the operations part that really serves as like, the organizational leader over the basketball team and anything that touches it, whether it's practice, travel, all the above. And then there's the building a team component to it. And that's what most people know. And that's, that's the fun part. That's going out to games to, to scout college players, working through free agency, working the trade deadline, working the draft. Um, so there is that basketball piece, but it's also, you know, pretty big leadership role as well. No, and I'm glad you said that because like, so I've worked with multiple GMs in my career and in my life and in different positions, but I'm going to be right now, like the way you lay things out, like, and especially like, so for me being in the ownership group, Dan like lays it out. It's like almost like, Sports news for dummies. Okay, in case you didn't know, this is coming down. This is just your run of the mill. We're going to be signing them to their fourth year, but this is just normal. Like, I love the way you run it down and people may not know, but there is a lot of back and forth and communicating. The sexy side is the basketball side where you get to talk about the drafts and all of those things. And even speaking to that, I know that you're coming up on some scouting trips where you're going to be going to North uh, Notre Dame and the SEC tournament. And I remember when I was playing AAU and we would look around the gym and it would be a who's who of college coaches. I'm talking about Coach Ariyama, uh, the late Pat Summit, the late great Pat Summit, Brenda Freeze, um, you know, UNC's coach. Everybody would be there and they're sitting there scouting. So what is it that you're looking for that you can't see like just on TV? Like, why do y'all got to pull up at the games to see like, what is it that you're trying to see in the players? Yeah. So I think everybody may have a little bit of a different answer to that. For me, the most important thing is like seeing the actual true size, athleticism, speed in person. Um, and like the physicality of the player, you can see a lot about like, the way a player plays, the way a player kind of works within their system on video, but you can't really get a feel for like how they move on the court. Some, you know, some weird nuances to their game. If they like see things quickly, it's just hard to see on video. And I think that in-person component, it's really, for me, it's really about like size, speed, size, speed, agility. Like you can't get that back on tape. And it's also like cool to see in person, just, how they carry themselves with teammates, with coaches, with the referees. Um, you can get a better feel for that in person as well. I love that because, yeah, there's those nuances that you might not have saw them go off on the bench or you might not have also saw them pick their whole team up on the bench because the camera's not following them there. So definitely could imagine those nuances. And then I'm also thinking about like, okay, as then and now, because I always like to do then and now, before then, we didn't really have players that had podcasts. We didn't really have social media breaking all the news stories. Now we do. Players have a whole platform. Players have a voice. How does that change your job at all? Like, how has media changed and changed even in the role of your GM job now with the influx of it? Yeah. So it's a great question. I've been very fortunate in that I've had really great mentors and, you know, two of them were Bill Ambeer and, and Kristen Bernard. And 
I was kind of brought up when I started in New York in a, this is a player's league atmosphere. And look, as long as they, you know, come in, do their job, practice, show up for the games, how they spend their personal time and their professional time is on them. We're going to treat players like pros. We're going to treat them really well. So I've always been one to embrace players who, who want to look at, you know, life, outside of basketball, even while they're playing basketball. I I think it's a great thing for them. I think our players are very unique in the sense that the majority have, you know, four-year educations, have played overseas. They've got a lot of great life experience that they can share with the world. I think it's great, but I can understand how some people from more of an old school approach, it may be a little bit of like a this and that right now. So it's, uh, it's great for our players. It's great for our league. And to your point earlier, we just need more of it. Yeah, I think so. I think you can't like I'm telling people like even when I like online, there's more discussions. I'm going to call them discussions online. There's more debates online. There's more arguments. But to me, I'm like, this is great. Like people are talking about women's basketball. People are talking about the sport. Players are having platforms. How does that play into if at all? Because I know that I mean, obviously, the simple answer would be, of course not. But does NIL even play into now? teams and and players like is that even taken into account at all because you have players that come in and if you have players that are pretty much equal does it make more sense to go with the nil player or how does that even factor in at this point knowing that it's coming in through the college game now yeah you know i i like to think there's only one WNBA. there's only you know a, a unique rare chance to become a professional basketball player and i i think that players who want to really test themselves competitively would have a hard time staying in college just for, for that. Um, And especially if they're, you know, surrounded by the right people management team, and there's a way to translate that to the pros. I believe that like, if you're ready to go pro, it's really hard to hold yourself back. And I think a good example of that was, you know, was, I think, I think Haley was one who was ready to be a pro. And she's put in her mind, like, I, I'm ready to take that next step, no matter what that means. And I'm just going to figure it out when I get there. Um, and I think, I think that's the type of mentality people who want to play against the best have. No, it's interesting because you talk about mentality and everything that you say, I love it. So you guys will probably be able to see why we're happy to have a GM that is very player forward led thinking because this is a player's league. Like I'm an athlete. So I'm always going to understand that the players make the leagues go. The players are the stars of the show. You talked about being under Bill Lambeer and his tree is huge. Okay. He got, he has a huge palm tree of people, players, staff that have come from him. Can you just talk about the tree of Lambeer? Because our staff is a direct result of that actually. Yeah. So, um, obviously, um, T played, our head coach T played for Bill in New York, worked for him in Vegas. Um, I, you know, worked for Bill. Then I worked with Bill. Um, Cheryl worked with Bill in in Detroit. Cheryl Reeve, Minnesota. Yeah. Katie Smith, who also in Minnesota, played under Bill. There was a lot of, you know, previous coaches before that who have been around and then kind of it kind of goes on from there and hopefully it continues to go on as, as, you know, coaches coach under T and, and that kind of extends. Um, but yeah, uh, Bill had a phenomenal impact on um, a lot of coaches and players in this league. And I think it's not said enough how much he kind of helped move the needle uh, in his time here. And he was actually very, very pro player for his entire career. And I think pushed a lot of people to recognize WNBA players in the same way that other professional players were recognized and be treated that way on the road, be treated that way in your organizations. Um, so I have a lot, a lot of respect for Bill in that regard. I love that. And so last question, shouts to the bad boy, Bill, Bill Lambeer. Last thing before you go. So we talk, I'm talking a lot about media because as you can see, media and sports are hand in hand. The NFL has the biggest media footprint, which in turn has the biggest media rights and has the biggest media sales and the biggest media sponsorships. What do you think that next step is for the WNBA in terms of media and media rights? Yeah. So obviously it's no secret. We have, you know, a big, you know, media rights deal coming up here in the next couple of years. And I think for us, it's, it's very much about more eyeballs. Like, the, the more people that see our product, the more people that experience it, 
the better it is for our league. I think anytime someone comes to a game, sees a game on TV, they get hooked. It's just not enough masses not enough of the masses are watching us right now. And and once that happens, it's only going to continue to grow. And I think we're all seeing, you know, where the trajectory of this league is headed and it's it makes you excited. It makes me excited. And I think we all know it's only going up from here. Facts. Like I'm telling people all the time, like, We've been seeing the trajectory because we're kind of in it, you know, and we're submerged in the product. But it's crazy to see now, like, shouts to Black Twitter and all of Twitter, W Twitter. It's growing so rapidly. The more people get into the storylines, the more the people actually watch the games and see that, oh, this game was fun. Oh, this player is doing this. People really are shocked. Like, people are like, man, I ain't know. There's the amount of times that I get people say to me, like, I really didn't know the games were turned up like that. And I'm like, I I don't know why you didn't know, but I'm glad you know now. So just so everybody knows, Dan has graciously agreed to join us once a month. This is Ed, a GM of a professional sports league. I think a lot of people don't understand how sports works and they get confused about some things. So I love being able to have somebody that's been doing it, been in the business for so many years. Dan is going to be joining us right here on MoCo once a month. We're going to drop the whole season, by the way. This one, I wanted to talk a lot about free agency because we're just coming off the heels of it. Next month, we got the draft coming up. So as I mentioned, Dan is going to be going on uh, some scouting trips. So if you see him, it's crazy because coaches, we see when Coach R.E.M. is sitting there. And as a player, I'm like, uh-oh, let me get on my P's and Q's. Do players even know that you're pulling up to the games? No, you're just no. Well, you know, the players' SID probably, they know that WNBA scouts are going. So I'm sure sometimes either the PR person or the head coach is like, hey, we've got some WNBA scouts at the game tonight. And they'll know in that regard. But no, <laughs> only you can give me that great of an introduction. I don't get that. <laughs> I don't get that in other places when I walk in. Listen, they, if they don't know, they better ask about you, Dan. All right, Dan, I appreciate you joining me here on Montgomery & Co. Like I said, I'll see you next month. You got it. Thanks for having me, Renee. See you soon. As we wrap up Black History Month, y'all know it's Black History always over here, but I wanted to do a shout out because I'm not a cook. I can't cook at all. I don't even, I'm not even like a foodie, but I love watching food shows. And then I saw a food nugget that I wanted to share with you guys that Charlie Mitchell made history in 2022 when he became the first black Michelin starred chef in New York City. New York City, think about that. Mitchell is only the second black chef in America to earn a Michelin star. He is the co-founder and executive chef at Clover Hill in Brooklyn Heights, New York. So I'm about to try to pull up. I'm gonna be in New York a lot for CBS. I'm gonna try to pull up on my guy because it's a generational thing, even as a chef. See y'all next week. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com